Good morning, everyone. Good morning to those of you online. As most of you know, my name is Rolisa Tutwiler. I have the privilege and the honor of serving as an elder here at Gate City Vineyard Church. And this morning, I also have the privilege and the honor of participating in the ordination service of our pastor, Beth Graham. And I'm so grateful. So we hope um, that this will be a special uh, morning, not only for Beth and Paul, but for all of us as we share in um, what is admittedly a very, very special and somber um, uh, service. I'm going to tell you a little something about ordination so we're all on the same page. We recognize that different churches ordain their pastors differently. Gate City Vineyard is a part of the Vineyard USA movement of about 600 churches that is part of a larger global family of 2,400 vineyard churches. We have a national leadership team that oversees regional and area leaders that oversee local churches. So we are part of a network. Each vineyard congregation writes its own bylaws and is responsible for ordaining its ministers. While we recognize that all followers of Jesus are called to minister to others with the love of Jesus, ordination specifically recognizes an individual who is called by God to leadership in the church. It is God himself who calls a person to the ministry and qualifies them with gifts. Acts 20, 28. Which which is also on this sheet, which if you don't have, please get. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Amen. I like the way that Caleb Maskell, the Associate National Director for Theology and Education in, at the Vineyard, um, puts it. He says this about ordination. Ordination is insistently a discernment process. It's an acknowledgement after the fact of the ministry a person has already been doing. In Vineyard, you get ordained once you've already been doing the work. Most Vineyard churches have a high view of the real presence of God without which nothing, not worship, music, preaching, prayer, or communion is efficacious. The real presence of God infuses communion and ordination. But just as it's not the wedding ceremony that makes the marriage, it's not the ordination service that makes the minister. Thank you, Caleb. Ordination means being set apart for the ministry of the church. It is an honor and a blessing to ordain Beth this morning. We're going to ask Beth, Chris, George, and Tim to all come forward.
This has been a well-rehearsed thing tonight, uh, this morning. But um, Elizabeth Russo Graham, <laughs> we do invite you to participate in this ceremony, obviously, because we have seen in you all of the qualifications exhibited in your external life and ministry. And we are, as an elder board, very thankful to have called you, and you have answered that call. So for the purposes of today, we are doing an affirmation. Ordination is an affirmation of the qualities of leadership as dictated in the scripture, as well as being seen in the person's life. So we have seen, we have received, and we accept that these gifts and these qualifications are all present in the person of Elizabeth Russo Graham. Please remember that name. We might say it a lot for the fun of it. So an affirmation of what? An affirmation of all the gifts and talents that are represented in Pastor Beth. An affirmation of the things that we see that the vineyard values, and we're going to share some of those values this morning. The first value that the vineyard really longs after is, is partnering with the Holy Spirit. As a church, as a group, we understand that nothing can be done outside of the help of the Holy Spirit. If we try to do the things that God places on our heart through our own strength, we will most certainly fail. And the vineyard values so deeply this partnership because without it, the work of the kingdom can't be done. We are not simply trying to implement the best available programs and, and uh, things that, that the church can do. We're trying to tap into God and his heart, and we can only do that through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our mission involves praying and finding power from God himself to accomplish what we humans cannot do on our own. We pray for the sick. We comfort those that have been treated unjustly. We seek to hear the voice of God on behalf of the poor and the needy. This involves partnering with a person beyond ourselves. And we all know that person is the person of the Holy Spirit. So, Pastor Beth, do you acknowledge that the presence of the Holy Spirit is accessible to you in such a way that you can lead and shepherd a community? Yes. Pastor Beth, do you willfully acknowledge that you will, with all your strength, power, and love, access that power on behalf of this entire community that comes into this building and the entire community outside of these walls? Will you make that your challenge to seek the will of the Holy Spirit for all of us and all the world? The, the second value is uh, experience and worship God. The kingdom of God is not a geopolitical territory, nor is it the, the uh, people of God. Rather, the kingdom of God is a dynamic realm. When one enters the kingdom, she or he experiences a dynamic reality 
which exists within the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This means that the experience of the kingdom of God, and thus the experience of God's presence, is central to our faith and Christian life. So we're going to hear a lot about uh, the experience, the presence of God, um, and that's something I found it interesting that Beth, uh, the Lord gave Beth that word as a word for this year, uh, the, the God's presence. So, so um, Beth, will you seek first the kingdom of God and invite God's kingdom to reign here at GCV? And Beth, will you seek and encourage the presence of God both in your personal life and in our church body? All right, the next value is reconcile people with God and all creation. Jesus is, is reconciling humans to God, to each other, and to the entire creation, breaking down divisions between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. I, th I think it's really fitting because we've just been doing a, a God for all people, which really addresses all of that. So therefore, we are committed to becoming healing communities engaged in the work of reconciliation wherever sin and evil hold sway. We seek to be diverse communities of hope that realize the power of the cross to reconcile what has been separated by sin. So Beth, will you faithfully proclaim the message that Jesus is reconciling people to God through the gift of forgiveness from sin and the transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit? Beth, will you seek God's guidance in forming a community where divisions between people are broken down and people of different backgrounds are reconciled to one another to do life together? And the next value is to engage in compassionate ministry. We lean toward the lost, the poor, the outcast, and the outsider with the compassion of Jesus as sinners whose only standing before God is utterly dependent on the mercy of God. This mercy can only be truly received in as much as we are willing to give it away. Pastor Beth, will you seek to give away the mercy of God in as much as you have received his mercy? We also believe that ministry in Jesus' name should be expressed in concrete ways through the local church. The poor are to be served as those serving Jesus himself. This is one of the distinguishing characteristics of a church expressing the love of Christ in a local community. Pastor Beth, will you make it a priority to serve the poor and marginalized as if serving Jesus himself? Amen. The next core value of the vineyard is to pursue culturally relevant mission in the world. The church exists for the sake of the lost. We exist to reach the people. We are called to bring the gospel of the kingdom to every nook and cranny of this world. Every part of our city, every part of our community, every part of our country and beyond. The gospel of the kingdom needs to be taken throughout the ends of the earth, faithfully translating the message of Jesus into the language that people can understand. 
To this end, we promote a creative, entrepreneurial, and innovative approach to ministry that is faithful, faithful to the one who loves us, and that's Jesus, and expressive of his heart to reach those who are far away from God. As the Apostle Paul said, we are ready to become all things to all mankind to see many come to faith in Christ. Pastor Beth, are you willing to commit to being all things to all people? That's not an easy task. It's not a very easy task at all. So she needs the help of a community behind her. So let's remember that. Because our experience is not everyone's experience. And in order to be faithful in this call, she needs the help of a community helping her see those places. So Pastor Beth, are you committed to reaching out to this community of believers in order to be able to fulfill your ability to reach the lost, to reach the unchurched, and to reach the ones whose mindsets are not yet open to Christ? So, Pastor Beth, I believe this is our opportunity to hand over the microphone to you. But first, Chris is by the steps. Elizabeth Russo Graham. You have answered well to all the questions posed before you, and your heart obviously overflows with the idea of becoming the shepherd of this flock. And we are so honored and excited to call you into this place. And we are excited to see where the Holy Spirit, partnering with the heart of Jesus and this community, will take Gate City Vineyard into its future. And so with that, we call you and accept your um, Accept your acceptance. <laughs> I had this better word, and never mind. We accept you as the person called, and so we ordain you by the power that is given to us in this local community. We ordain you, Pastor Beth Graham of Gate City Vineyard Church. There we go. There we go. Wow. Woo! I'm so excited. Yay! <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, we had, a, we had a strobe light happening here all through, through the beginning of service. It was like flickering. I'm like, it's because it's a party. <laughs> we got the strobe lights out. There's cupcakes at the end, so that's all going to end good. Thank you. 
This is beautiful. Thank you to the, to the board. They're going to be praying over us in a little bit. And I just, um, I, like my heart's overflowed and full. This is a long, t- long time coming, and I'm just incredibly happy and thankful to all of you. Um, I've been given 15 minutes to give you a little bit of my testimony and calling story. And so I will do that. Um, and because I'm a pastor and a preacher, I will also give you a couple takeaways. So you'll have a couple scriptures and some takeaways for you because I don't really want this all to be about me. This is about what God does in a person's life. And he's doing what he's doing in me. He's doing in all of us. Everyone has a story and a testimony and a calling on them that God is doing. Um, but I'll give you a little bit of my testimony. I have given you bits of it as um, over, the, over the months I've been here. Uh, but I'll fill in some of the blanks. Most of you know I was raised in an atheist family, and my dad would teach us from Ayn Rand's objectivist philosophy and sort of rationalistic, humanistic morals and values, how to be a person, how we don't need God because he's a crutch for weak people, how the world was just created by the Big Bang, we don't need a creator. And so I, I was all in on that. Like, that was, that was, I was cool with all of that. I didn't like the idea of a God anyway. And so um, at about my teen years, I started really arguing with some of my friends. There was a whole bunch of kids from this local evangelical church that was a little bit annoying, and they would always be talking about Jesus. And so I, would st- I started to get in a lot of arguments with them in ninth and 10th grade and really arguing about how it's not true and why would you believe such foolish stuff and the Bible is a myth and all of that. And um, what started to happen was one little crack started happening in the wall. And the crack had to do with a boy, which is not surprising because I was really boy crazy. So uh, I was dating this boy, and he happened to be valedictorian of the senior class. He was head of the swim team. He was first trombone. He was smart. He was funny. He was, you know, well-liked. And I, would, I was thinking, why would someone who has it all together like that need Jesus? Like, why would they believe in God? Why would they even, you know, be that smart and believe in this crazy stuff? So it was like a crack that started to just kind of come into my thinking. And at the same time, I did have some underlying questions with my dad's whole philosophy. One was, and I think I might have even mentioned some of these before, you know, I, I remember thinking, why shouldn't I lie if I feel like it? Why do I have to be a good person? I mean, who's to say what's good? If there's no God, why shouldn't I lie to you if you never know the difference? What difference does it make? It serves me. Why shouldn't I take something from you if it's just something small? Like, I just couldn't figure out why we should be good people if God's not real. Um, I also wondered about that Big Bang thing. I, I was fine with the bang part, but I think I've said this before, you know, who, who started that thing? Like, who lit the match that got the thing going? Um, it, certainly, there has to be some kind of originator. That kind of bugged me. And also the idea of what's the purpose of my life. I already could see, as a young girl at 15, my life stretching in front of me. I was going to go to college, have a job, probably have a husband and family. For what? Like, just so I could be happy? And what if I wasn't happy? Like, what if I had a lousy husband? Or what if I, you know, got really hurt or something happened to me? What's the purpose of all of that? So I just, those are things that were kind of bothering me, uh, underlying at all. And um, so I decided at one point to start reading the Bible. And uh, the reason I did not, was not because I was finding, trying to find answers, but I thought, well, maybe I could finally answer back my friends who talk about Jesus all the time on their own book and prove to them from their own book how wrong they are. <laughs> so that's how confident I was, overconfident. And so I started reading in Genesis, and I read a couple chapters in, and I was like, wow, this confirms how stupid I really think this all is. I mean, it just, I was not impressed, <laughs> all right? I was like, what, what is this? He speaks the world into being. 
That's not very scientific. Taking a rib out of Adam and making Eve. Like, come on, who believes this stuff? So I was really just ready to just put it all down. Like, who, who could possibly believe this? And in that moment, I, I had a thought. I know that was the Holy Spirit now, but at the time, and a thought occurred to me, and it was this. You're not giving this book a fair shake, this Bible, because the Bible's not written for people like you, atheists who are trying to prove God. It's not a proof book. It doesn't prove God's existence. It's a book for people of faith about their God and who he is and what he's like and what he wants from them. And so this thought process went through my mind that I need to approach the Bible like a Christian would approach it and as if it was all true. And see, then I would learn what it was all about crazy thought for a 15-year-old. So I really literally put my disbelief on a shelf. And I just said, I'm going to just read it. And I started again, but in the book of Matthew, which was also a better place to start. And I went into the book of Matthew. And every time Jesus would do something crazy, like turn water into wine or heal a blind person, I'd say, well, if he was the son of God and I believed all that, he could do that. So I just kind of, you know, put that objection aside for the moment just to see what it was all about. And it was halfway through the book of Matthew that all of a sudden I I thought, this makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. (laughs) I mean, this explains it all. This explains how the world was created and why I should be good and not lie to you and why, what the purpose is for my life and how I would handle it if bad things happened to me. Like, it just all fell into place with that one assumption. And so... You know, it took a little while after that. I read some books, More Than a Carpenter and, uh, and um, Josh McDowell and Mere Christianity uh, with C.S. Lu- by C.S. Lewis. And I read some books. And I had some more conversations, and it took a little bit longer. But I, and, I, and I had a lot of conversations where I would look up at the ceiling and go, well, God, I don't know if you're real, but here we go. <laughs> and I would just start talking to him. But finally, I pulled out the back of this old Billy Graham living Bible and in the back, it said, how to become a Christian at <laughs> six steps. And so I just prayed through the six steps and came to know Jesus. So that's my, my, my salvation story and uh, at the age of 15. And then, you know, there's a long way from that to being a pastor. And so I'm going to talk just a little bit about the calling. By the way, before I even start, I believe we're all called into ministry. Every one of you is called into ministry. We're all called to go make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're all called to be a light on the hill and shine our light. So we're all called into ministry. Some of us just do it in a workplace, and some of us do it at home, and some of us do it as a pastor in a church. But, um, but I do feel that there were certain things that kind of called me to this particular role. I have a three-part calling. Um, and so the first part started... Uh, after I had my second child, I had been working in the city, doing computer science, tech work, uh, working in New York City and, uh, for about nine or ten years, and then I had my second child, and I was like, I'm, I'm done, i got to stay home for a bit. So I stayed home with them, and while I was home, I remember asking the Lord, you know, what do I do with this free, some free time I'm going to have in between naps and once I go to school, and, you know, what should I do? And I actually was thinking about maybe I should get a master's in IT because I was a tech person and that would set me up so that when I went back to work, I would, you know, have a degree. And I thought about that. And a question came to mind, which I I think was a Holy Spirit question, was where do you want to be and who do you want to be when you're 50? At the time, I was... 32, so 50 seemed really old, Um, but I thought, where do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? Do I want to be, you know, CEO of a tech company? 
want to be running IBM at that point? What do I want to be doing? Or do I want to be working in ministry and, and working for the kingdom? And it was just no, not even any question. Of course I want to work for the kingdom. Like I just, my heart knew it. So I feel like that was my first calling. And from that point on, all my free time, whatever time I had, I was in ministry, doing volunteer stuff in the church, worship ministry, women's ministry, teaching parenting classes, running VBS, on the board, all kinds of stuff for years and years while I was raising my kids. The second part of the calling came when my oldest one was going off to college. And that's a time of reckoning as a parent. Sometimes you think, okay, what's next? And so I was asking the Lord, what's next? And he said very clearly to me, are you ready to jump in with both feet? So it was sort of like I'd been doing a lot, but it was all a little part-time here and there, you know, whatever I felt like doing. And he was saying, are you ready to really be in ministry with me? Full, everything you got your whole life. And again, it was like, yes, yes. There, just, there was only a yes in my heart for that. I knew I needed to get educated, so I went uh, enrolled in Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, which in a cool foreshadowing, I actually went to the Charlotte campus so every semester I traveled down here to North Carolina uh, and uh, not, never knowing that God was just prepping, prepping it, planting a little seed. Uh, and so I went there for my classes. But before I even enrolled, I actually had kind of a, uh, what I would call a real uh, divine calling moment. So I had already enrolled in school but hadn't started yet and I had a dream. And I don't have too many prophetic type dreams or um, God dreams, but this one definitely was a word from God. And so I remember in the dream, I'm having a conversation with this guy named Tom, who was our associate pastor at the time, a good friend of mine. And in the dream, he and I are talking about how great it is to do ministry, like just how wonderful it is to, to ta teach the word and see people's lives transformed and help people. And we were just talking about that in the dream. And in the middle of the dream, suddenly I was overwhelmed with this feeling that I just want to do God's will and God's will only. And in the dream, I just spoke out, God, I will go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do. Clear as a bell. And I really feel like that was my official calling, in a sense, into ministry. Went to, went to school, loved seminary. And so then the third call came. When I was about two years into seminary, uh, our, both of our associate pastors left at the same time. They both got jobs as senior pastors, and so it left this big hole. And my lead pastor at the time and I looked at each other and I was like, well, is it time for me to jump the divide <laughs> from volunteer, do what I want when I want to really working, you know, working for the church. Um, and so I remember going on a little bit of a, a retreat, uh, a personal retreat at a place called Marion to um, to kind of ask the Lord, what do I what do I do? Do I do this or not? And um, what I did in the, at the retreat place is I sat in a listening hut. You actually have a picture of it. I give you a picture because it's so funny. It's a little listening hut. This is on the grounds of Mariondale Retreat Center. If you're in the hut, you're looking out over the Hudson River. So it's a beautiful little spot. Um, and it looks like a little outhouse. And uh, so, so you're, supposed, you're meant to go in there and listen. Just listen to, for the Lord. And so I was like, all right, I'll go listen. So I went in there, and I'm asking God, do I do this or not? Do I, do I become an associate pastor? And I get in there, and it is very close. You do feel like you're in an outhouse in there. And as I'm praying, I just sense the Lord saying to me, I'm going to enclose you like you're enclosed in this little hut. And what I took that to mean is that 
you know, I had a lot of freedom before then to do whatever I wanted. As a volunteer, I just pick and choose the things I really like and the things I don't really want to do, let someone else do, it's somebody else's problem. And, and God was saying, I'm going to enclose you. You're going to work for someone. You're going to have to show up for hours. You're going to, you're going to be accountable to a, a, a boss and, a, and the board and the congregation. And you may have to do ministries that aren't your key thing that you really like to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to enclose you. And are you willing to accept the limits I'm going to put on you in order to make your ministry come now to a finer point and to really use your gifts. And, you know, it was sort of a sobering moment, but it was also a very exciting moment. I mean, again, my heart was just like, yeah. The only way I can explain it is, you know, when you're single, you can date anyone you want, right? You have perfect freedom to date the whole world, one after the other, whatever you want. You have all the freedom in the world. But you know, once you find the one person you want to be with, you are so willing to forego all that freedom. In fact, you don't even want it anymore because you want to invest in that one. And that's how it felt. That's how it felt to me. It was like, no, I just want, you know, whatever, God. So, um, so that was the third calling. And um, I ended up working, uh, joining on as an associate pastor at that point. And about two months in, I just remember sitting in my office, uh, you know, looking around and thinking, this is what I'm meant to do. I had no idea after all these years, uh, kind of resisting it. Um, I just, it was a lot of what I already was doing. I did tons of teaching and discipling and leading teams and all of that. Uh, and, and it was just more and better. And God was using me in a fresh way. And it was just so exciting. So um, that's really the calling and that how, how I came uh, to be a pastor. And uh, I do, I promised you some takeaways. So the three takeaways are this, and it's on your sheet actually, um, next to the listing hut. The first one is just to remember that no one's a lost cause. I want to read to you the scripture, 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4. God our Savior wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And if you'd known me as a teenager, you would have said, she is a really annoying atheist. <laughs> and she's never going to come to Jesus. Like, I, you'd be sick of talking to me. You would have just given up. But they didn't give up on me. God didn't give up on me. And, and I came, <laughs> miraculously. So never give up on those people in your life who you think, oh, they're just so negative. They're never going to come, whether it's family or friends. Don't give up. Just keep loving them. Keep being a light. And, you know, it just takes a second for the Holy Spirit to just open your eyes. And then it's done. So it can happen at any moment. So never, no one's a lost cause. The second one is that it's never too late. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. If you would have told me when I was in my 20s that I was going to go back to college in my 40s and start a whole new career, I would have said, what are you smoking? <laughs> Like, are you kidding? I mean, I, I'd be too old. I mean, you're really old at 40. You know what? Isn't your life over? Like, that's what I would have thought. But in seminary, there were 40-year-olds with me and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds. I mean, everybody was, God can do anything. And it's never too late. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. God's just starting with you. There's no sense of I've missed the boat. You just get in the boat and go. The boat's still there. It's right there. Just get in the boat and do what he's calling you to do. Um, he's so ready to work in your life no matter when. And then lastly, no one satisfies like Jesus. No one satisfies like Jesus. Psalm 34, 8, one of my favorite verses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And, you know, it's been years and years now and um, so many ups and downs, but I wouldn't trade my life with Jesus for anything, for 
anything. I mean, he called me out of that dark place and brought me when I didn't want him. He has been here as my, my foundation, my, my purpose, my joy, my contentment. I mean, he has been everything. And I just can't think of a better way to spend a life than in service to him. I pinch myself every day that this is what I get to do. Um, and that's what I want to do for the rest of my days, to just serve him. Any place you want me to go, anything you want me to do, God, I'm all yours until I see you face to face. May that be true of all of us. Amen. Amen. I think I don't go away yet. <laughs> we are not done with you yet. Not done with me yet. So if I could have the elders and Tim and Susan come back up. And Paul. I think the kids are coming back in. And Paul. And Paul too, right? Yes. There she is. And Mr. Graham, would you kindly come join us on the stage? Just a quick word, we do not take lightly the knowing of a supportive person beside the one who's called to pastor. Because there is a portion of the calling that, that will fall upon him because he will have to do everything in his power to protect and to love, to encourage, and to come alongside of Pastor Beth so that she can fulfill everything that she has called for here. So we thank the good Lord for this man in her life and for him in this community. Yes. So if you're willing and, and have the strength, you can stretch out your hands. We're going to pray. Scripture says to not take lightly the laying on of hands. And we feel like this is an anointed time. We feel like we are calling forward the one that the Lord has put in this place. And we agree with the Holy Spirit in this and in his calling and in the testimony that Beth shared with us. We agree that all of this is under the guidance and care of God. And so if you would join us in prayer, this is a new journey. This is a new stage. This is a new phase. And so in this, Lord, Father God, we asked that your spirit would just come afresh on Paul and Beth, that you would fall upon them, Father, in a new way and in a rich way, Father God, that a new anointing would come forth, that a new vision would rise up, Father God, and fill their hearts that a fresh taste of our God would be available to their lips, Father. And that they would proclaim that, that new taste, Father God, and let it come forth from their spirits. So we pray that their walk with the Holy Spirit would be, would be fresh and new, Lord God. That the water from heaven would just come and inundate and saturate their hearts. Father, we pray, Lord God, for more words 
for more visions and for a greater heart, Lord God, for not only this community within the walls, but the community outside of it. Lord, give energy where there's been a little bit of lack. Give wisdom, Father, for greater things. And we ask that you give them everything they need, Father God, in this time and season to push back the darkness of the, uh, and create a greater, greater kingdom work here in Greensboro, North Carolina, and specifically in this venue. And thank you, Lord God. God, your word tells us to ask for wisdom. God, so on behalf of Beth and Paul, Lord, we ask for, for your wisdom to, to guide them and to lead them. Lord, you tell us that the wisdom that's from above is, is pure and, and peace-loving and loves mercy and bears good fruit. And we pray that over Paul and Beth. God, Lord, give them, give them your wisdom. Lord, help them to continually tap into you as, as their source of wisdom, God. And Lord, help them to turn to you with, with all the questions and or just all the issues that inevitably will come up, God. Um, Lord, you are faithful to give them your wisdom, mm -hmm. God. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray that you would give them such a clear and compelling vision for how you want to work in them and through them and through this church, God. Lord, that you give them a vision of, of how you can be glorified. Lord, individually, corporately here, God. Um, Lord, what what you want this faith community to be, God, and how you want to change lives through their ministry, God. Lord, just, Lord, compel them with your vision, God, and Lord, we also pray for, for leadership, God. We pray for the authentic leadership that, that only you can provide, God. I pray that you would, Lord, just enable and empower them to, Lord, to live out a life of authentic leadership, God, that is aware of who they are in you, God, that that they stand in their convictions, but also, Lord, listen and learn from others, God, and Lord, that they can just be fully genuine and fully comfortable and fully authentic um, in who they are in you, Lord, as they serve those around them. And Father God, we lift up their family and personal life to you now, Lord, and their marriage, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, um, that as they draw near to you, Father, that they would draw nearer to each other. Father, help them to continue to love and serve each other, Father. They're such a model of uh, Jesus in the church, Lord, and I thank you for the reflection of their love uh, in their marriage, Father. We pray for their family, Lord, and their children. We pray for uh, Mark and Matt and Nate, Lord, that uh, they were brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as your word says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I just pray, Lord, that your hand would be on each of their lives and their present and future mates' lives as well, Father. That you would, in your perfect timing, you would call each one of them uh, into a deeper knowledge and walk with you, Father. Mm -hmm. Just grab their hearts, Father. Make your presence real in their very lives right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. And uh, we just pray for great things for them and their walks, Lord. Um, and lastly, Lord, we pray for um, their personal um, devotional times with you. I love how Beth makes it a priority to draw away uh, at least a day um, 
a month or so, Father, to just hear from you, Lord, as she, as she showed, uh, shared in her testimony, Lord, to just um, hear your word for her and how to lead this church, Lord. And so we thank you. We just pray for uh, that you would protect that time for her, protect their boundaries, Lord, between uh, life in the church and life outside the church, Lord. Like all of us, we need time to rest and to, to renew and just pray that you would protect that time for them as a couple, Lord. And we thank you for their financial life, Lord. We thank you that um, they have just proven to be good stewards of what you blessed them with. We pray that that would continue, Lord, that you would just give them what they need, Father. And just thank you for their generosity that they show in so many ways, Lord, to, to your people. So we just give you all the praise for them in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, I pray scripture over this family. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the works of his hands, and that's what we pray over Beth's ministry right now. At the end of that psalm, it says, um, may, the, may the meditation of my heart, and may my words be pleasing to you, and that's what we pray for her ministry, that her words would always be consistent with what you say, Lord. Your word also says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So I pray in this season of work, there is also a time of rest, and her ministry will bring many to salvation. Um, set her mind on things above, Lord, and your word says that um, you have greater plans. You can do more, that you can do more than we ask or imagine. So I pray you will use this ministry for your glory. Father God, your word says that we should fear nothing because you are with us and that there is nothing too hard for you. And so, Father God, I pray over Beth and Paul, your courage and a holy boldness, Father God, to go wherever you call them to be bright lights wherever they go. I pray that they would have the courage to do, to say, to not say, exactly as you guide them, Father God. Father God, I pray that your anointing season all that they do. I pray your protection over them I pray that as they go and as they do, they will always remember that the courage that they have and the boldness with which they do the things they do come from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. So, I think we don't go away yet, right? No. Or do we? Yes. Everybody can now take a we seat. Do. We're going to have Joy okay. come forth. Joy is going to lead the congregation in a prayer. It's um, a call and response, and so you should see it on your handout. All right, um, the congregational prayer is on the back of your sheet. If you
you have it. I will leave, and then where it says congregation, you can um, pray that prayer. As the local expression of the family of God that we call Gate City Vineyard, we give thanks to you. God, for the gifts of leadership, vision, teaching, and shepherding that you have given to Beth and Paul. Congregation, God, we thank you for your generosity and your wisdom in sending the Grams to lead our church community. We see you at work in powerful ways in their lives, and we thank you for the example that Beth and Paul set following the way of Jesus. We pray for Beth and Paul to continually sense the Holy Spirit's leading as they minister to our community and that your spirit will continue to strengthen them, refresh them, and embolden them as they lead. Congregation, God, we pray that you will help us to love Beth and Paul well. We pray that you will help us to support them, encourage them, and partner with them in what you are doing in and through our church family and our community. We thank you for your scripture, which declares in Isaiah 52, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim to salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Congregation, we thank you for Beth and Paul, whom you have appointed to bring good news and proclaim your peace and your salvation. We link arms with Beth and Paul in declaring that you reign in this church, in this community, in this country, and in this world, and we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here among us and as it is in heaven. Thank you. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and we just thank you for Beth and Paul. We thank you for this ordination service. We thank you, Father God, that we can come to you and just pray to you and thank you for who you have blessed us with as our leaders. We thank you for our elders. We thank you for all that you're doing in this ministry, Gate City Vineyard. We thank you, Lord, that you are allowing us to keep the elders' hands lifted up as they keep Pastor Beth's hands lifted up for us, Father God. We pray for them each and every day, Father. And we also come before you just individually, Father, that we, as we're praying for them, Father God, that we pray to work together, Father God, along with them in unity, Father God that those things that you will have us to do and, and the things that you will allow us to do in this ministry, that we will take it outside these four walls, Father God, even in our families, even in our, our neighborhoods, Father God, that we will bring back to you as we are sh uh, sheep for your kingdom, Father God, that we will be disciples of your kingdom. Father God, that we will love and that we will work in unity, Father God, and we will have relationship, a personal relationship with you, Father God, as we have with each other and as we have with our families, Father God. That we will do all that we could do, Father God, for your kingdom, to uplift and build your kingdom here on this earth, so your kingdom will come on this earth as it is in heaven. So, Father God, we thank 
thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you for all things and for everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'd like to call Pastor Beth back up, please. Actually, we're going to join in a song. So if you'd all stand together. This is a special song um, to me, the king of my heart, that God's the king of my heart. He's the fire in our, our veins. He's the wind in our sails. So let's just all stand and sing it together.